Welcome to Ebenezer's Podcast, a podcast about hearing, understanding, and applying the Word of God to our lives. My name is Leighton Erickson, and I'm Ebenezer's Lead Pastor. Thanks for joining us today. Please check out our website at ebenezerbaptist.ca to connect with us and learn more about our ministries. I hope you enjoy the message. Good morning, and welcome to Ebenezer. My name is Cal, and thank you for choosing us to be a part of your worship experience today. Now, this morning, we're going to continue in our new series in 1 Peter we've titled Chosen. And since Pastor Layton has already shared with us the importance and the relevance of Peter's letter and gave us some of the key and important context information last week, I won't go over those again. However, I will say that Peter's word to the exiles, Christians dispersed and under persecution throughout Asia Minor, are just as necessary for us today as they were back then. While we, here in Saskatoon, Canada, and perhaps most of Western society, might not be under the same type of persecution and suffering as the believers during Peter's time were going through, there are times, especially this past year, where I believe we might feel like those early Christ followers. More and more, Christians and biblical values are eroding from society. The institutional organizational church has overall been in decline for many years. The Christian voice and perspective continue to be pushed to the fringes in every arena. And in many ways, Christ followers are more and more like exiles, scattered and under persecution. I'm sure we've all felt it, perhaps though to varying degrees. Have you ever felt like an alien or an exile in a strange land? Well, I know I have. As a child, almost every setting I was in, I was and I felt like an exile. Before even finishing high school, I had changed schools at least five times. Growing up, I lived in a smaller city in Ontario with a much smaller visible minority population. My parents didn't have much in those years, in those early years. And so I was a kid that wore clothes different from everyone else. I never had any brand names. I was a kid that brought a different lunch uh, for school each and every day. And since I only began speaking English when I was around four or five years old, I was that kid who didn't always understand what was being talked about and didn't understand what was going on. And of course, since I am a visible minority, I was that kid who simply looked different. I was a target of much teasing, sometimes worse. Now, even if that hasn't been your experience, I'm sure you can appreciate the challenges of being an exile, of being something and someone that the majority of the people around you are not. It's simply not easy. But here's the thing. While Peter uses the term exiles in his address, the focus of his letter is actually on the words just preceding exiles, where Peter talks to the people as God's elect, or in other translations, God's chosen people. The perspective Peter wanted his audience to take was not on the fact that they were exiled or even persecuted. Rather, it was on the fact that they were chosen. They were chosen by God. Persecution was their circumstance. Exiled was their situation. But chosen and chosen by God was their identity. Now, there are two themes of what it means to be chosen by God that run throughout this letter. Hope and holiness. Last week, Pastor Layton focused his message on hope, hope for the suffering. Even though the believers were scattered and exiled, 
even though they were persecuted and they were suffering, they had hope, true hope, because they had been chosen by God. Hope because their suffering was only temporary, and the certainty, certainty, uh, certainty of glory in heaven awaited them. This morning, we want to look at the second key theme, holiness. Holiness for the exiled. Christ's followers, those chosen by God, are to be a holy people. If you have your Bibles at home, turn, to in, your, turn in, uh, to in them to our passage this morning, which is 1 Peter chapter 1, starting at verse 13, and we'll be going down to chapter 2, verse 3. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13, down to chapter 2, verse 3. And we'll, I won't read it in its entirety now, but we'll work our way through this section of Scripture this morning. Now, if we consider Peter's audience, exiled and isolated Christ followers, I think there are probably kind of two main actions and reactions they may have taken uh, to them being in, in exile or being exiled or in a new foreign land. First, they could take the approach of not wanting to be different from everyone else, try to blend in. This would have required them to abandon their faith or at the very least suppress it and start adopting the values, the beliefs, and the practices of the world around them. That was me as a child. I wanted to blend in. Or they could try to preserve their faith by leaving the places where they were, if it was possible, and gather with other believers and start their own little society. But God's call to His people is not to stay and to adopt the practices of the world around them, nor is it to leave and form isolated communes of their own. God calls His people to live where He has placed them, where He has led them, and to live in a way that dis is distinctly different from the people who are around them, from everyone else around them. But with one caveat, they are to live in a way that is not only for themselves, rather they are to live in a way that draws others to them and then to God. Now, in our passage today, Peter, as he lays out these themes, gives us three foundational components of holiness that would have encouraged and challenged his audience. For us today, I believe we need to consider what holiness means in our lives. And I think these three components, these three foundational components of holiness, give for us also a foundation from which we can be taught, we can be encouraged, and we can be challenged to live holy lives. So let's take a look. First, let's look at 1 Peter 1, verses 13 to 16. Here, Peter writes, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at His coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires that you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as He who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. Now here, Peter lays out the very first foundational component of holiness, and it is this. It is a call to holiness. God calls His people to be a holy people. Now we'll spend a little bit more of time on this, uh, this first point, because I think it's key to understanding this whole section on holiness. The believers in Peter's time were literally exiles, or as other translations put it, they were foreigners or temporary residents. But even if we today are not literally exiles, we need to remember that Christ's followers are in fact temporary residents, temporary residents of this earth. We're no longer citizens of any earthly kingdom, rather we are now citizens of heaven. 
And because of that, we are called to holiness. Verses 13 to 16 finishes with this call, Be holy because I, God, am holy. As Peter quotes a familiar scripture from the Old Testament. So, the first thing we must understand if we are going to live our call to holiness, we're going to fulfill our call to holiness, is what exactly does it mean to be holy? What is God calling us to? Now, often we equate holiness with sinlessness or a moral purity. And to be sure, those are key attributes of God. However, the Greek word here for holy, hagias, is translated as sacred or set apart, or sometimes even in a more simpler way, different. See, if we understand holiness to mean sinlessness or moral purity, then it becomes this unattainable standard. But the holiness of God is more separateness of God. The the separateness of God from all its creation, both in His essential nature, character, and perfection in His attributes. One commentator used the word apartness to refer to the holiness of God. Everything about God, the Creator, who He is, how He works, His attributes, His actions, is separate. It's apart. It's holy from the rest of creation. So if holiness is an attribute of God, then how do we become a holy, a different people? Well, Peter actually gives us the starting steps in this section. So let's go back to the beginning of this section. Peter begins this passage with the word, therefore. So what Peter is about to say is linked to what he has just said. And this call to holiness in verse 16 is a response to what Peter lays out for us in verses 3, 4, and 10. And here Peter writes, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. And then in verse uh, verse 10, concerning this salvation. Peter is saying that because of this new birth, this living hope, this future eternal inheritance, this salvation, we need to respond by being holy, by, by being different. Our call to holiness is a response to the grace and the mercy of God. Remember that in the mind of the believers of the early church, salvation was a future event. It's something that they looked forward to. Yes, they were saved in the present, but the completion or the fulfillment of their salvation would only come when Christ returned. And because of this perspective, Peter reminds them that they, in the present, are called to live a life of holiness. They're called to holiness. Now, these early believers took their salvation seriously then. And we cannot become complacent about our salvation in good times or in bad. Verses 13 to 15 give us two key areas that will help us become God's holy people to fulfill this call to holiness. Verse 13 says, With minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at His coming. The New Living Translation puts it this way, So, prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. The first step towards holiness begins in our minds. Minds that are prepared. Minds that are self-controlled. And minds that are focused on that day when Christ returns. 
to prepare our minds and to develop self-control is really just to get rid of um, loose or sloppy thinking. It means self-control regarding what we think about and not allow our thoughts, particularly our negative and false thoughts, to control us. It's about making conscious and intentional decisions about what we set our minds on. Paul instructs us in Romans 12 verse 2 saying, Do not conform uh, to the pattern of this world, but be transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind. And then in Philippians 4 8, Paul says, Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think, set your mind about such things. It means thinking and then living in such a way that anticipates the inevitable return of Christ. The second step toward holiness is in verse 14, where Peter says, As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. To be holy, to be different, means we have to break off with the thinking and the, and the life of the world. We need to be intentional about putting aside the thinking and life we used to live before we realize the truth about Jesus Christ. Again, Paul echoes Peter's thoughts in Ephesians 5 where he says, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. Our call to holiness begins in the mind with what we choose to think about and what we choose not to think about. Now, one final significant and important point regarding our call to holiness. God is a holy God. He's different. He's set apart. He is separate and different from all his creation. And that's what he calls his people to. But God didn't build a wall around his apartness to keep the rest of creation out. No, rather God invites us to come to him and to share in his apartness, to share in his holiness. And he provided the way through his son, Jesus Christ. You see, be holy for I am holy is not to be looked at just as a command. It's an invitation born out of God's great love, His great grace, and His great mercy. And just as God invites us into His holiness, we, as a holy people, as a people called to holiness, are called to invite others into our holiness as well. You see, too often we, the church, take our apartness and we live in our ivory towers. We criticize and even judge others from our perceived high and lofty places. Pick an issue, pick any issue, and likely you have found or you will find that the church acted in judgment or is acting in judgment and condemnation of it. That doesn't mean we don't take sin seriously, but we're too quick to judge and to condemn. Instead, we, like God, need to invite others into our apartness, into our holiness. So how do we do that? Well, how did God invite us into his holiness? God came to us in the person of Jesus. He came down from his high and his lofty place. He incarnated himself, took on our form, spoke our language, and came to where we were. And Jesus lived in a way that revealed to us the nature, the character, and the ways of God and showed us what a new life, what new life as a heavenly citizen looked like. Jesus sacrificed his very life and in doing so, opened the way for us to come to God and to enter into his holiness. We're called to do the same. 
We must incarnate our lives with others. We must come down from our perceived high and lofty places. We must learn to speak their language. We must go to where they are. We need to stop hiding in our church buildings and in our church programs and as a community become part of the communities God has placed us in. And we must die to ourselves, sacrifice our own desires and our own wants for the sake of God's kingdom and so that others will see Jesus through us. Peter calls Christ's followers to live amongst those who would persecute them, but in a different way, a holy way. We need to live in a way that reveals Jesus and shows others the love, the joy, the peace, and the hope of being a child of the Almighty King. Holiness, apartness, is not something we hoard amongst ourselves. Rather, we need to live in such a way as to invite others to join us and become a part of God's holy people. So the first foundational component of holiness is a call to holiness. Now, I understand that was a long first point, but it's necessary we understand our call to holiness and its significant implications for how we live. But let's move on. Second, Peter continues in verses 17 to 21 saying this, Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. The second foundational component of holiness is this, the cost of holiness. The cost of holiness. Our call to holiness has a cost. And the only way that we can be a holy people is because God paid that cost in full through His Son, Jesus Christ. You know, Peter compares the most valuable earthly things to the blood of Jesus. He uses silver and gold. But let me ask you, what's the most valuable thing you own? Your home or some other piece of property? Vehicles? Jewelry? Your Bitcoin? Other stocks? Whatever you consider to be valuable in your life, in this life, even the cumulative value of all of those things cannot even be remotely compared to the cost of our salvation. The blood of Jesus Christ. Our salvation came at a great cost and an eternal price was paid through Jesus' willing sacrifice on the cross. And that price was paid not so that we can live in whatever manner we want or desire. It was paid so that we could live as a holy people. Paul says in 1 Corinthians verse 6, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God, live holy, honor God with your bodies. Now, I think it's appropriate to take just a few moments to reflect upon this truth. I've asked Pastor Chet if he would sing for us a medley of a couple of songs. And as he sings, just reflect on the words. Simply thank God that he would consider our holiness that he would consider each and every one of us worthy 
of such a great price. Listen to Pastor Chet and reflect as he sings for us. But 
The second foundational component of holiness is the cost of holiness. So we have the call to holiness. We have the cost of holiness. And now Peter concludes this section with what I'm calling the character and the conduct of holiness. 1 Peter 1, verse 22 to chapter 2, verse 3 says this. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, all hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Peter teaches us that the foundation for the character and the conduct of holiness is actually quite simple. It's love. Sincere, deep, and in some translation, fervent love, especially for one another. True love always reveals itself in acts and in words of love. And because we are called to love one another deeply, we must get rid of all malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander. That conduct is not consistent with the character and conduct of love that should and must permeate our lives as the holy people of God. But we all know that true love doesn't come naturally. While there are times we can and we do act in a selfless, loving way, you only need to take a look at the headlines, the news clips, and the statistics to know that true, selfless, and sacrificial love is lacking in this world, and often even in Christian families and Christian communities. We can try our best to act lovingly, but there will always be times when we revert back to the way we would have acted in the past, actions and thoughts that we're probably not very proud of. The key to becoming a people characterized by true love is not behavior modification. It's not trying to simply do better. It's inner transformation. And Peter brings out the centrality of God's word in the initiation and in the process of transformation. See, Peter says, For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. It is God's word, when it takes seed and begins to root in our lives, that brings us into a right relationship with God and initiates the transformation required to truly love. Our physical birth was made through human perishable seed, but that physical birth only leads to death. However, we are born again, not through perishable seed, but through imperishable, the Word of God, or as Peter explains in verse 25, the good news of the gospel that was preached to them. The Word of God will endure forever, and the Word of God brings life. The Word of God initiates our spiritual transformation. When we allow the gospel to take root in our hearts and we respond to the work that it's doing in our hearts and we receive Jesus Christ, we follow him, that initiates our spiritual transformation. But the word of God also continues our transformation. Peter says in chapter 2, verses 2 and 3, Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. 
We are to crave or desire this pure spiritual milk. The way the Greek translation of the Old Testament puts it, it's kind of, it needs to be the deepest longing of our heart. That the same language is used in Psalm 42 where it says, As a deer pants, longs for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. Peter exhorts us to crave, to long for, to desire with all our hearts this pure spiritual milk, the milk of God's word. Other translations say the pure milk of the word or the sincere milk of the word. And God's word is foundational for holiness and central to our spiritual transformation. Now, in my opinion, one of the most dangerous things happening in the Christian church today is the lowering of the authority and the centrality of God's word. There being questionable interpretive or hermeneutical techniques applied to make God's word say what we want it to say or to say something that we're more comfortable with it saying. Experiences and personal beliefs are now placed above the truth of God's word. And on issues on which where the Bible is clear, those are being brought into question. New interpretations seem to emerge even on a daily basis. Now, on a side note, let me just say how proud and privileged I am to serve in this church community where the Word of God is central and authoritative. A community where we allow God's Word to speak into the issues and challenges and even the controversies of life, not the other way around. Charles Spurgeon said, God's Word never dies. God's Word never changes. There are some who think we ought to get a new gospel every few years or even every few weeks, but that was not Peter's notion. He wrote and he was divinely inspired to write concerning the Word of God, which lives and abides forever. D.L. Moody says, So few grow because so few study. The third foundational component of holiness is is the conduct and character of holiness and the centrality of God's Word in our spiritual formation. So, to conclude, As strangers in a strange land, as foreigners amongst those that would be hostile to Christ's followers, we are called to be a wholly different people. We are called to holiness because God himself is a holy God, and we are called to invite others into his holiness. There is a cost to holiness that Jesus paid through his precious blood on the cross, and we need to live in response to that great act of mercy and love. And through the transforming power of the Word of God, we are to live in the conduct and character of holiness founded on love that comes through the Word of God as it transforms us. As God's holy people, we, though in exile, reveal to the world, quite simply, a better way. And in these these crazy times, I believe the world is seeking and longing for a better way. Will they find that way in you? Will will they find that way in us? Later in this letter, Peter is going to exhort Christians to live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. And Jesus told his disciples, Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Can we, individually and together, Can we pursue holiness that with all that we are, with all that we have? William Wilberforce said, There is no shortcut to holiness. It must be the business of our whole lives. 
God calls us, be holy because I am holy. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for who you are, for the work that, you've, that you do in our lives and for the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And we, Father, thank you that you call us to be a part of your holiness. You, you invite us, be holy for I am holy. And Father, let us recognize that, that the holiness that you're speaking of is simply to live differently, to live according to your word and your way, that our actions would be characterized by love and grace and compassion. Father, that we would be on mission for you, inviting others into your holiness to, to join in through the cost of holiness, the blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, may this be the single pursuit of our lives. And Father, as we do so, we pray that we would first bring you glory, and Father, that your kingdom will grow and expand. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you for taking time to join us this morning. As you go into this week, remember that you are called to be a holy people, to live in such a way that draws others to Jesus Christ. Now, for the benediction, I'll be reading from 1 Thessalonians 5. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Have a great week. Well, thank you for listening. Don't forget to check out our church website at ebenezerbaptist.ca. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can let us know by clicking like and by subscribing to our podcast channel. God bless you and thanks for listening.